So while this morning is very high on the information level, uh, as Bill said, we believe this to be no less spiritual than a, than a, a, a deeply rooted uh, biblical message because it has its foundations in the Word of God and doing more together than we can do individually. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless this time together and as we explore the cooperative program. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come and to share about the cooperative program and how the gifts of individuals are making a difference worldwide in the proclamation of the gospel. And Father, uh, be with us in this time. Challenge us in our thinking. Help us to understand this this system that, that we believe in called the cooperative program as we reach into lostness, into darkness with the gospel of your son Jesus. Father, empower us this morning as we hear what's, being, what's happening across America, across Canada, across the world. Help us to ask those questions of ourselves. What are we doing to spread the gospel in our own lives and in our own realms of influence? Lord, I thank you for this day. Bless it. I pray that this next uh, half an hour, 45 minutes, would rise uh, before your throne as a sweet-smelling aroma to you. We love you and we praise you. And thank you for the gift of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I was shocked this morning when he came and introduced me first service and he put a picture up there of me diving, wrestling an octopus. And so I, I, I was trying to think, how can I talk about working with pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention and likening that to wrestling an eight-legged monster. But no, I decided I wouldn't go there. But, uh, but really, honestly, if I can be honest with you, cooperative program, being part of the Southern Baptist Convention is so incredible because we can do more together than any one of us can do alone. I, you know, I shared in the first service that if we all were to throw, and this is not all about dollars. I'm going to use a dollar analogy, but it's not all about dollars. It's about our time. It's about our talents. It's about everything we do. But if we, we put a bucket up here and we all threw a dollar in, well, that could amount to a lot of money. But if you think about the 45 to 47,000 churches that we have all across the U.S. and Canada, if each of those churches threw a dollar in a bucket and we put all that money together, imagine what that would look like. We believe that there's about 16,700,000 members of the, in, in the U.S. and Canada of the, of, the, um, of the Southern Baptist Convention. So think about that. At the cost, think about how sometimes we wonder how our life can make a big difference in the kingdom of God, right? So your gifts, your talents, all of those expressed, even your finances, can make a difference. But think about that bucket, how if we all would serve together, how impactful that could be. If 16.7 million people all served God deeply, committedly, with their heart, their talent, their life, and their dollar, imagine the impact that would have. Well, I'm going to talk about the dollar aspect in the cooperative program today, but think about this in terms of your own life and your own ministry. The cooperative program came about in in 1925, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but we decided to take what was the Great Commission, right, Matthew 28, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey all these commands I have given to you, and lo, I am with you to the ends of the earth. That's what Christ said. And we've done a good job about making disciples in the church, but we have to do so much more because it's not the church's job. It's your job, and it's my job 
to win people to Jesus Christ. There's, a, there's another passage in 2 Corinthians 8 that relates to this because they were collect even in the first century church, they collected the gifts of the church to share with the, for those that were in need and those that needed to know about the gospel of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul writes this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. That spirit of that first generation church, I believe, lives on very powerfully in the Southern Baptist Convention through what we call the cooperative program. So I want to introduce you to that, and then I want to tell you how what I do in the relation of the bigger scope of things. But we is greater than me. That's, that's really the idea behind the cooperative program. It's based on the Great Commission that I just read from Matthew chapter 28 to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, how do we from Ridgecrest, California, go into all the world? You can't do that individually. There's too many countries, too many languages, too many people groups that you and I cannot reach. So as we cooperate together with our brothers and sisters in the Southern Baptist Convention, we can penetrate that. We can move into areas that you or I can't go into. But we have brethren and sisters and brothers in, in the church that can reach every, every people group, every tribe, every nation. So in 1925, the SBC decided to put everything they do under one umbrella called the Cooperative Program. They put international missions under there. They put national uh, missions under there. We just kind of put it under that umbrella, and we called it the Cooperative Program. Now, a lot of you are familiar with the way a lot of churches do missionary work, right? We gather our money, we support a missionary in the Philippines, or we gather our money and we support a missionary in American Samoa, or Guam, or, or, or you name it, Thailand, Africa, wherever. And we, we can really make a difference in the life of that missionary. However, Southern Baptists realize that those missionaries are burdened by certain things. Typical missionaries outside of the Southern Baptist Convention, they'll serve on their field for nine months. They take a, 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 uh, a time off. They come back to the United States. They try to rally as many churches to let them speak in their pulpits. And they, they go on a three-month attempt to try to raise the support that's going to provide for them for the next nine months. Well, the, the breakdown in that, and I'm not, you know, that's a valid way to do it, but the breakdown is they're removed from the field for three months, and then they have the extra stresses and strains of trying to raise their own funds, and then living on the field with the knowledge that in another nine months I'm going to have to raise funds again. Well, the cooperative program said, why don't we pull all of our resources together so that our missionaries can be full-time on the field, be supported with a salary that they don't have to raise their own funds. They don't have to worry about the stress of where their, their next meal is going to come from. They can stay on the field, and we as a family adopt them in our gifts and in our time so that they can do their work more effectively. That's the spirit of the cooperative program. And thanks to that, you'll see we have close to or somewhere around 11,000 
missionaries in the world and the United States and Canada that don't have to worry about where their next meal's coming from. They don't have to worry about leaving the field. Imagine how disruptive that is. Sometimes the gospel presentation, it takes momentum to get it to go, and you start to make inroads in a society or in a people group, and then all of a sudden you have to leave for three months to raise your own support. We said no. We want to care for our missionaries. We want them to have a livable wage. We want them to have health insurance and the ability to, to send their children to school and, and, and all of those things. So we support them uh, across the board through the cooperative program. So I'm going to talk about how that, that works. Okay, so where do you start when you want to change the world? Like I said, it's like the early church. The early church said, hey, if we all come together, we can do greater together than we can do individually. How it works. When resources from millions of people in thousands of churches are combined, the potential for maximum impact grows. The bottom line, people who are lost hear the gospel and respond to God's love. But look, here's one thing that I want to caution us on. As we begin to understand how the cooperative program works, it's not an excuse for inaction on our parts. What I mean is this. When you see what Southern Baptists are doing, you can walk away from here really satisfied, saying, wow, we're part of that? We're support- our dollar supports all those missionaries and all that outreach and all those gospel presentations? That's wonderful. And, but at the same time, we want to be careful not to say, okay, well, I've done my part, because you haven't. We are children of the Most High God, and he has called each of us to share our gospel in our mission field, his gospel in our mission field. And our mission field is the cubicle next to us or, the, or the, uh, the social club that you belong to that you can interact with those individuals or your family that's lost. Oh, Bill, I meant to tell you. I didn't tell you, and I'm going to air it here in front of the world. My family has been praying for my father to receive the Lord. My mom has been praying for 50 years that he would receive the Lord. And three weeks ago, I had the privilege in my home to lead my father to Jesus. It was such an amazing experience. Everybody in my household was in tears. It was crazy. And uh, just a faithful prayer over time. And dad finally came. So I'm going to have two fathers in heaven. And I I really am overjoyed by that. So I I wanted to, I meant to tell you about that a couple weeks ago, but I don't know that I did. Um, So, I did, oh, everything's over Facebook, right? <laughs> Jeff's birthday, that's how you keep in touch with the world. That's great. Maybe, uh, maybe the cooperative program should move to Facebook. Maybe we can. Uh, but the bottom line is that people are hearing the gospel because of faithful Southern Baptists across the nation giving to the cooperative program. So it's important you know how that's happening. So I wanted to share that with you because it's really exciting. God is busy working through a variety of channels to demonstrate his love and make a difference in the lives of people around the clock and around the world. Here are some of those channels. We've got the International Mission Board. For those of you that are unfamiliar, the Southern Baptist Convention is really broken up into three channels. We have Lifeway Christian Resources. That's where we get our, all our Sunday school material. And we provide Sunday school material for all kinds of different denominations. But we're, Lifeway is ours. That's a uniquely Southern Baptist organization. It's the only for-profit end of of Southern Baptist life. Then we have the International Mission Board, which is tasked with bringing the gospel to the world, everything but the United States and Canada. And then you have the North American Mission Board, which is who I work for, and we're tasked with bringing the gospel to America, the United States of America, and Canada. Listen, for years and years, 100 years ago, we sent missionaries to everywhere in the world. But we've lost sight of 
how deep and dark and how grand the mission field is here in our own country. Countries are sending missionaries to us now to, re- to reach us. It's, it's staggering that here we live, God's people, and our greatest mission field is at our doorstep. And so I want to kind of wake us up and shake us a little bit in that because we live here as missionaries. We've been called with a purpose by Christ, and so we need to engage our local communities. Then we have our six Southern Baptist seminaries. When you give CP money, when you give, when your church ties, you tithe to your church, your church ties. Emmanuel has been a great giving church over the years. Pastor Bill will share a little bit of that with you, but you guys are known for your sacrificial giving to the cooperative program. And so that money filters also to our seminary students. We highly supplement our seminary students because we know that their life track is to get out and proclaim the gospel and build churches and plant churches and grow churches. So we have six of the best seminaries in the world that are our seminaries. And so we help fund that through our cooperative program. And then we have the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission that uh, lobbies Washington on behalf of Christian values, and, and they're very involved. There's all kinds of other involvement at the state level. There's evangelism. There's volunteer missions opportunities. You can see a list there. Missions education, church planning, our state colleges and universities, collegiate ministries, state camps, all kinds of, of other areas where your cooperative dollars help formulate a big plan to reaching uh, the United States, Canada, and the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk a little bit about the North American Mission Board right now. That's, that's, that's the branch of our denomination that I work for. The North American Mission Board coordinates the efforts of about 7,200 missionaries who are committed to sharing throughout U.S. and Canada. We have 1,459 joint-funded or fully-funded missionaries currently sharing Christ wherever they're at, in places where they can't support themselves necessarily. We support them. For, you know, some of those examples are we have resort missionaries throughout the world where you can't put a church there, but there's an active witness for Christ in that situation. We have missionaries in some of the poorer areas of the United States of America. We have missionaries throughout Canada where they're up with the Inuit people where there's, there's no way you can have a living there, but you're there faithfully proclaiming the gospel among those people. And so the North American Mission Board shares about 1,500 fully funded or joint funded missionaries. Then we have 1,029 what we call Mission Service Corps missionaries. Our MSC missionaries are a wonderful backbone to our to our missionary team. These are missionaries that many of them have retired they, they, they are self-sufficient in their own ministries, but they say, we want a missionary post or a missionary position in North America or Canada, and they've given the rest of their lives, even though they're retired, to self-support themselves. A lot of those guys, they'll come into a, a new town or a new city in their RV, they'll hook up at a local church, and they'll, mission, they'll do full-time missions out of that church and, and help either grow the church or reach the community for in the name of of Christ for that church. We have 3,500 to 3,600 chaplains, most of which are military chaplains, but we also have law enforcement chaplains, and we have um, chaplains in hospitals and, and hospice chaplains and that kind of thing, but the majority of those are military chaplains. The Southern Baptist Convention 
has more chaplains in the military than any other denomination or religion. We are the number one source. We have a good reputation among our military, and they're facing some challenges right now because there's so much political stuff going on about using Jesus' name in public forums. So pray for our chaplains. They need your prayer right now. They're standing firm. They're praying in Jesus' name. They're proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And some of them are taking some hits because of that. So pray for our chaplains. They're actively sharing Christ to our military men and women. And then we have 1,000 over 1,100 student missionaries. These are missionaries that we're paying They're college-age students that we pay to live on campus and bring the gospel of Christ to secular and Christian campuses alike, mostly secular campuses. We have 1,100 of them out there in campuses across America who are forming Bible study groups and, and pointing those individuals that come to Christ to the local churches that are in the area. So we're very active in all that we're doing, trying to engage a very liberal culture with the gospel of Christ. The um, other things that the North American Mission Board does is that we work with our state conventions to plant new churches in fast-growing cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural communities. I am part of Send North America right now. The North American Mission Board has restructured, and we've restructured over five regions. Our new president, Dr. Kevin Izell, Uh, since he came in almost three years ago, has restructured our North American Mission Board. And our emphasis is on evangelism and church planting in five regions. So Canada is one region, and then we broke the United States of America up into four regions. And our goal is to plant churches in those regions. I'll talk about that in a minute, but let's jump back to chaplaincy. I I kind of gave you the whole thing on chaplaincy already. But our chaplains... um, Last year's, they all report back to us. Some of them, not all of them do. It's the military. You know, it's kind of hard to get a report back from someone who's, who's deployed. But we know of 28,000 personal encounters uh, for Jesus Christ through our 3,500 chaplains uh, through the reporting. I'm sure it's much greater than that. Just many of those go unreported. We also do disaster relief. For those of you that are unfamiliar with what Southern Baptists do, we're the largest disaster relief organization in, in the United States of America. When, when, we, when a disaster strikes, Southern Baptists come in like a flood and help and minister. And no, Yeah, that, that, that was pun intended, right? Okay, so they, and, and, they, um, and, they, and they minister in that situation. And here's the, here's the really neat thing. You can be part of that. See, we regularly train disaster relief volunteers in a lot of different areas, in chaplaincy, in recovery, in large machine operation, in kitchen help and food, uh, food line service. You can volunteer. You can talk to Pastor Bill, and he can get you information on when the next training session is. And we mobilize when a disaster strikes in the United States of America, the call goes out and you can answer that call and you can serve. It is not, I, I, the last time I served, I've just been busy and I've been remiss in that I haven't served. But several years ago, the San Bernardino fires, when they came through and they burned out San Bernardino County, um, I was part of a recovery team that went into all the burned out houses and we asked the families what valuables do you think are still in there that we can salvage for you? And we went through ash. Oh, we were so dirty. 
I mean, it was just, we went through the ash with sifters and we, and we were, because we're trained, we're allowed to enter those sites where the family can't or others can't. And we sifted through the ash and the burned out things to recover items for people that they thought might have survived the fire. Let me tell you, there's a wonderful opportunity to share Christ when, when a, a young lady is, or a young man are saying, you know what, our wedding rings were in there. And, and we don't know if we can find them. And then you find a wedding ring or you find a, a, a bracelet that meant something to someone. You can hand that to them and say, we've got this from your home. And, and the joy that's there is an opportunity to, to share about Christ. So disaster relief is an amazing tool to, to share Christ. There were over uh, 400, almost 400 professions of faith last year just through our disaster relief efforts. And who knows what else happens beyond that. Those are on-site opportunities where somebody came to Christ. But when we leave those situations, people know that Southern Baptists came in and helped them. When, when we say here, you'll notice it says 2.3 million meals were served last year in crisis situation, 1,530 disaster relief units with over 80,000 trained volunteers. What a disaster relief unit is... When something happens, we'll pull up a semi-truck that belongs to Southern Baptists, and in that, in that semi is a full kitchen that can serve thousands of meals a day. Another semi will pull up, and it'll have eight showers in it so that people can shower. Another one will roll up, and it's a laundry unit with 16 washers and dryers in it. Another one will roll up, and it's, it's selections of clothes, like a, a portable thrift store where they can go in and take the clothes that they want for free. We, when we roll up in a disaster, we care for the people in the name of Christ. And you can be part of that through volunteering. So Send North America is my, my, that's my baby. That's my branch of, of and my expression of ministry in the Southern Baptist Convention. As I said, we are tasked with North America and Canada. And what Send North America has realized is that if we're going to reach people, the majority of our people, the biggest bang for the buck is found in the big cities. So my team is tasked with going into our 32 largest cities. There's nine cities in the West. I'm the West region guy. I oversee the West. So in our nine cities in the West, we appoint a missionary to the city. So this is, this is how we structured the U.S. The green is my area. We have nine cities. You can see Denver, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Phoenix, Portland, Salt Lake City, San Diego, San Francisco, and Seattle. And we appoint a missionary to the city that reports to me. And his job is to begin to unpack that city down to the street corners and say, where do we most need a church? Do we need a church here? And what's that church look like? Is it Hispanic? Is it, is it Armenian? Is it, does it, is it Turkish? What is, what is the demographic of that area? And then how do we begin to strategize to plant a church in that area? So then we, the, our city coordinator is tasked with doing all of that. And then we utilize what we call our missionaries who are called CPCs, our church planting catalysts. So that missionary to the city then will meet with his church planning catalysts and they'll begin to mobilize partnering churches and, and partnering dollars to be, and say, they might say, okay, these are the top 10 priority church planting spots in Los Angeles. So how do we get, bring a planter? How do we get a planter here? How much is he going to need to make a living? What partnering churches can help support that and bring manpower? And it's a strategic goal to bring 15,000 new churches to the U.S. and Canada in the next 10 years. Sounds aggressive, 15,000 churches, but that's our goal. 
So we, we're, we're enlisting one CPC per million people. There's 435 million people in the United States of America. North American Mission Board, through your cooperative dollars, is paying to bring 435 church planting catalysts throughout North America to strategize to plant four churches a year each. These guys are, some of them are hitting seven, eight churches a year already. But what they're doing is they're coming into a neighborhood. They're, they're training that young man. They're mentoring him. They're, they're bringing in, partnering. They're getting three or four pastors in town that will continue to mentor them when he leaves. And those churches will support that church planter. Our cooperative program dollars then come in and help that, that church planter live. And then that church planting catalyst leaves that situation in the hands of the local clergy and the local Southern Baptist churches and sets his sight on another area and begins to catalyze a new work in another area. It's really remarkable to see what's happening across America and Canada with our CPCs and our church planners as they're reaching out and, and, and growing and planting new churches for the Southern Baptist Convention. The, uh, I want to give you an idea of how unchurched America is. We talked about how... how um, we are really the new mission field. We really need to start turning our eyes. I'm not saying turn it away. I love, I go on an international mission on a regular basis. I love serving outside of our country. It's wonderful. But we need to start also setting our sights internally and say, how can we impact lostness in our own country? Look at the South. The South is the, that's the Bible belt, right? This is where everybody believes in Jesus in the South, right? That's what, that's what our perception is sometimes. But there's, but one church for every 1,400 people in Alabama, right? And in, and in Mississippi, there's one church for every 1,300 people. Texas, one church for every 3,300 people. But when we start coming west, that drops significantly. There's only one church for every 16,000 people in California. Look at New York, one church for every 59,000 people. There's work to be done. Look at Canada. One church for every 115,000 people in Canada. We have a task before us that's huge. So even as we look at, when I said earlier, we want to plant 15,000 new churches in 10 years, your mind was probably going, how on earth are they going to do that? Well, guess what? 15,000 churches in 10 years, that's not enough. Not if we're going to reach the lost with the gospel. We could, we, we could put 15,000 churches in in uh, Canada, and that would still be one for every 10,000 people. We have a lot of work to do. And so your, your cooperative dollars help us do that. And, and, and that's happening across America and Canada right now because of your gifts. We want to increase the birth rate of churches in North America by 15,000. I already mentioned that. Many of our churches are birthing churches already. You are to be commended. You have, I don't know if you know this about your own church, but your church has planted three churches in just recently. And I can let, uh, I'm sure you probably do know about that already. But there's three churches. If each of our churches reproduce, it's been shown that more people come to Christ in a new church work than in existing churches. And so that's why the thrust in planting new churches, we want to penetrate lostness. We, we don't want to just form church across America. We want people to be, because the church is the people. It's not, it's not the buildings. And so we need to reach out, win people to Christ, and formulate a place where they can be fed and grow and nurtured in the Lord. So 15,000 over 10 years. So that presents a huge problem, right? 
1,500 church planters a year. If I'm going to plant, if our team is going to plant 15,000 churches, that's, that's 1,500 church planters a year. How do we get those? Right? Any volunteers this morning? <laughs> we'll start right here, right now. But the, there you go. Amen. Good. You know what? We're, we're, we're addressing that issue as well. We're looking back 10 to 20 years and saying, how do we begin to instill this idea of penetrating lostness at the level of our children now so that 10 years from now we have those planners in the pipeline. We're building a very specific pipeline. Right now we're, we're starting with a farm system with our summer and semester missionaries. Our student missionaries, we're, in, we're pouring a lot of our cooperative program dollars into finding student missionaries. We are trying to get a big pool of student missionaries serving in our local churches that, that we supplement that, that time uh, at the North American Mission Board so that they can serve in the churches. We're talking 16, 18, 20-year-olds. They're working in, they're, you know, they're dipping their toes into the pool of ministry. And then we're asking those host churches that are hosting those to keep their eyes open for those few of those, of those thousands of, of student missionaries, where, which are the ones that have that call of God on their life, that spark that might result in something more. And then the North American Mission Board takes those individuals to the next step, and, um, and we bring them up to a church planting intern. And an intern is a, we, it's a highly focused step where this young person begins to understand what church life is about. They work at a local church for 20 hours a week, and, and they begin to, to uh, work on their, uh, their call and their ministry and discerning, discerning what that might be. And for those that feel a call to church planting, we're bringing them in as apprentices. And as an apprentice, you serve for a year under a current church planter. We, we give them an income and some basic health insurance to do that. And they work under that church planter for a year, helping that church plant be stronger, but all the while preparing at the end of that year to plant another church in the same area uh, as a church planter. So we're building a pipeline starting with our 16 to 18-year-olds, and we're trying to build for the future. And there's great opportunities to serve there as, as student missionaries. So it's another thing you could inquire about uh, with Pastor Bill. And then church revitalization. One thing we realize is not just all about growing and planting new churches. It's also about raising the health and, and the vitality of our current existing churches. So NAM works uh, hand-in-hand with pastors across America to revitalize our existing churches. So let me shift from that to our international mission board and tell you kind of what's happening in the world. Our international mission board is impacting the landscape of the world by starting last year 24,073 new churches. Church looks a lot different internationally than it does here. You know, we have this vision of what church is, and, and a lot of us think that church can't start without a building. Well, that's not true. Not even here anymore in the U.S. We have house churches across America. But, in, but they get that in other parts of the world. There are house churches forming where they can't, maybe it's illegal to have a, a church. So they meet in the house. They, and so the IMB has been privileged to start over 24,000 churches last year. Overseas churches for the IMB, according to the IMB, are Southern Baptist churches number almost 200,000 churches uh, worldwide, 47,000 here, and then an additional 200,000 worldwide. We're the largest Protestant denomination by far, the Southern Baptist Convention. And so the beauty is we have all these resources to bring together to impact the world even more powerfully. Um, the, 
current uh, field personnel for IMB is 4,900. There are currently almost 5,000 missionaries out there that don't have to raise their support because you give to the cooperative program. So it's it's the beauty of what we're doing together. They baptized 266,000 people last year. That sounds like a lot. The tragedy is it was over 300,000 last year. There's declining baptisms. The world is getting more and more secular, and it's because the church has been asleep. We need to fire it up. We We need to get excited about what Christ did for us so that we can impart that into other people. We really need to be conveyors of the gospel in our lives. They're engaging currently 787 people groups with the gospel, but the reality is they've identified over 3,000 people groups still that they want to engage in. 3,000 people groups, many of those don't even have the Bible in their own language. The IMB is actively trying to minister uh, to those people groups. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have good return in their labor. Just think about how, how easy it is to carry something if you've got someone to help you and how hard it is when you're carrying something alone. And think about that same idea across 16 million of your brothers and sisters as, as this huge task of reaching the world, reaching the lost with the gospel of Christ. You and I can't do it alone. But 16 million of us, we can make a pretty big dent in it as we cooperate together. So the, the um, idea really is that with our 45 to 47,000 churches and our 16 million people, what great thing can we do for God as we partner together? One part of it is partnering through the cooperative program. That is through our gifts and our tithe and all of that. But it's a whole other part is our activity. We need to serve the Lord um, with, with our feet. And so um, with a global population approaching 7 billion, the only option for me is to become we. So how do we make that happen? First, it's through prayer, right? You know now that you have 11,000 missionaries out there. You have them. When you give a dollar to this church, I think about 11 or 12 cents of that goes to the mission field from this church. So you have a part, you have a stake in our missionaries, They can be there because of you. Don't think that that is not important. It is significant that every dollar you give, 12 cents of that is going on the field. That's huge. You're you're helping. But pray for them also. It's not just about giving. We need to be in prayer. uh, The North American Mission Board has initialized a a 10-2 based on Luke 10-2. You have to read that scripture. But it's right there. He told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So this is what we're asking. Uh, This is kind of a new prayer theme that the North American Mission Board is is trumpeting. We would ask that the people of God in our churches would set an alarm or set a time for 10-2, that maybe it's a little beep on your alarm, a little vibrate on your your smartphone, and and you'd set it for daily at 10-02. And then when that thing vibrates on your side, you would take just a moment and you would pray that the Lord would send workers into the harvest field. Just pray for our missionaries. Pray that the Lord would increase the number of missionaries we have. And let the Spirit begin to deal with you about, okay, what am I doing? What, why, where am I engaging my mission field? When was the last time I shared my faith? 10.02. If that seems too much for you and you really keep saying, I can't pray once a day, right? I hope you can but let's say you can't. Well, then do it once a week at 10.02. Set it for Saturday morning at 10.02. And if you're really pathetic, pray on October 2nd. Okay? If you really can only do it once a year, 
October 2nd, give it to prayer. But we're asking ten, a 10-2 prayer to the Lord of the harvest to bring workers to the harvest field. So if you could join us in that, that's, that, we're rolling that out across the nation. And when your little thing goes off, you know that there are hundreds, if not thousands of people across um, our time zone that are praying at the exact same moment that you are for our missionaries and for workers in the field. So prayer 10-2, Luke 10-2. And then you can go. Ask yourself, what can I do to serve North America, Canada, or the world, right? Because our cooperative program dollars are supporting all these missionaries. Those missionaries love it when somebody comes and helps. You have three church plants that you're doing out of this church. Why not on a Saturday, pick a Saturday and go out and help one of those church planters? Five, ten, twenty of you. Ask that church planner, what can we do to help serve you in your community? And then go out as missionaries on a Saturday and serve one of your three church planters. Why not? We need to go. We need to put feet to our gospel. And then, and then give. Give regularly to the Lord through your church. Encourage your church to increase its commitment to reaching people through the cooperative program. We have a tool that others envy. Other denominations, other, other religious groups look at our cooperative program as genius. They, they've tried to formulate their own and, and they've failed to get... Uh, traction in that because a lot of people just back up and say, no, we're going to do our own thing. But the spirit we have in the, in the Southern Baptist Convention since 1925 is let's work together for something a lot bigger. And that continues today. And it's a beautiful spirit that we have knowing that we support all these missionaries as we work together. So let's talk about Emmanuel Baptist Church. I said earlier, you guys are known for your giving. You guys have been one of the top givers in the state and in missions and in Annie Armstrong and in Lottie Moon time and time and time again through, the, through church planning, through the California Southern Baptist Convention, through the local association. You guys have done amazing work in terms of the cooperative program. That's why Bill wanted me to come today and share with you how that's affecting us on the field. I couldn't do what I'm doing without your support of the cooperative program. So I just want to personally thank you this morning. You guys have been amazing with your cooperative uh, dollar giving. But now start asking yourself, how else can we get involved? How can we pray? How can we go on top of your already generous giving? And, And... with that, I mean, I just want to say, together we can do even more than we've done already. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that we're the largest Protestant denomination in the world. It doesn't matter if we're not reaching everybody that we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care if we're the smallest, biggest, grandest thing on the block. We have to reach the lost with the gospel of Christ. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to talk about what you've given us, the cooperative program. And, and Lord, I thank you that I've been privileged to kind of share with how that impacts us on the field as our churches give. And, but Lord, I pray that each here would get a bigger vision on how they can serve individually the, your greater kingdom. And Father, that might mean um, more uh, sacrificial giving in their life, uh, and, and you'll reward that and you'll bless that. It may mean that they need to make specific time where they serve you by putting the gospel, uh, attaching that to their feet and going and doing something with that. It also might mean a tend-to prayer, Lord, that they would pray along with all of us for, for a harvest, uh, future workers to be lifted up and go into the field and proclaim the gospel for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the privilege 
of living for you and to working for you. I, I thank you for that daily, and I, I love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do at this church, what you're continuing to do in this church, and what you have done under Pastor Bill's leadership. And, and uh, Father, I pray that you continue to grow the spirit here and the, and the spirit of cooperation and, and giving. And, Lord, that everybody here would be uniquely challenged um, by you, by your spirit, and how they might get more involved. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of your son. Uh, Jesus, thanks for dying on the cross for us and giving us new life. And Spirit, thank you for your power to walk daily uh, in the challenges that we all face. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.